0: Grace Bible Church, uh, this is Brent here, so happy to be able to sit down with you on this midweek podcast today. One of the things as we've been going through Second Peter uh, has been, as we walk through a text, a little by little, uh, is the encouragement uh, that being able to see God's Word in its context, to sit under it together. Uh, when we think about the order of our worship service, to be able to have a formal call to worship, to kind of leave a lot of our normal week behind, and to bring our attentions and our priorities. And and here we are gathered in the same room, prioritizing our schedule at the same time, even those that are still not able to gather in person with us at this time. We reorient our lives to be able to sing and to praise the Lord together. People of different generations, people of different backgrounds, careers. Here we are orienting our schedules as a body of believers, singing praises to the Lord, Uh, sitting under His Word together, giving of our lives, committing together to be and make disciples. Sitting on my desk, if you've been in my office, you've probably seen it before, uh, is uh, a little mason jar, and it's filled with, oh, several hundred kernels of corn. And inside the kernels of corn are three golf balls. This was a gift given to me about four years ago by uh, a a deacon, a faithful brother uh, named Gene Thompson. Uh, he's since gone home to be with the Lord, but Jean and Marilyn are some of my favorite people uh, I've ever met. Jean was a farmer and faithful, always faithful for as long as I could ever remember. He wasn't a man of many words, but he was uh, a man that when he spoke, you listened, that caught your attention. One day I was in my office and Jean popped in. That wasn't uncommon for people to pop in and say hi, just as it's not uncommon here. But we he popped in. He had this empty mason jar. Uh, another can of corn corn kernels, and then these three golf balls. And he explained it in just a short way. didn't really greet me too much, but he put the empty mason jar on my desk. And then he began just by filling it up with the corn kernels. And then he was able to set maybe one golf ball in and, and could, of course, not have room to be able to put the other two in and screw the lid on. He said, this is what it is in your life. You're busy, and we all get busy, even as believers. But oftentimes it's the urgent small things that take up most of our life and most of our concerns. But we don't have any room for the bigger things in our life, and the bigger things are what God tells us are the bigger things. And he described the three golf balls in this way: The first big golf ball that has to become a priority in our life is our faithfulness to God, our trust and confiding in God. Uh, And this represents being and making disciples. The second represents the, the commissioning that God's given you to train up your family as a married man. So this was my commitment to Sarah, first and foremost. And then my commitment, uh, who, who at this point has become my boys. And they, uh, I think Sarah was just pregnant with Uriah at this time. And then third, then, he said, is the priority of working that God has given you as a, as a husband and a man. Of course, that meant my work at the church and the responsibilities that I had. So he then, after explaining that, he emptied back out uh, the corn kernels and then he placed the three golf balls in one at a time. And then he placed the rest of the individual corn kernels in at this point, and then was able to seal the can. You could probably hear it right there. And I've never opened this back up. When we moved down here from, from Missouri, uh, 600 miles south, uh, we put some of our key valuables in my car that we drove down, the, the rest of the moving company uh, packed and took down. This was one of the key valuables that I uh, made sure to pack in my car. Uh, I've never wanted this to possibly break. It's a constant reminder to me uh, of the priorities that God has established. That's why it sits on my desk. That's why when I sit down with couples, whether it's a a pre-marriage counseling or a marriage counseling or just an individual uh, time together to be able to have a time of discipleship, uh, this is one of the first things that we look at, is let's be honest and get an assessment of our lives. What are the first things? Are we putting the first things first that God puts us in? So as we look at our calendar, if we were to take an assessment, a time audit of our priorities, our hopes, our affections, the things that we're watering, you know, it's oftentimes the things that we put the most time and energy on that end up a year from now making us the most excited because we've spent the most time and, and energy in those things talking about them, thinking about them, dreaming about them. Uh, and that very much as we've been walking through Second Peter is, is, is a call to the church, it's a call to the church to grow our affections for the Lord, to be spending time in His Word, to be ministering His Word to one another. So when we talk about devoted to the, to the Lord, devoted to the Word, uh, making disciples in gospel-centered worship, uh, serving sacrificially in our lives through ministry of the Grace Bible, through uh, being able to clearly articulate the gospel message to other people, living lives of service— and then uh, scheduling in margin to be able to practice hospitality and and, and live out the family of God together as the family. Uh, these are the big stones when we talk about what it is to make a disciple. So I used an example on this past Sunday uh, of sports, and how sports and for particularly families that are uh, middle-aged or so that have kids that are old enough for travel ball or anything like that, uh, it's an example in which they can become the first stone that puts in our life, and it chokes out any room for the bigger stones. And so church in this way, this key component of discipleship, this essential call that God has given us for our own good, our own spiritual health, to sow these wise, faithful practices of abiding in the Word of God and prioritizing our time, they can often be the things that get choked out. And when we do that, we will reap the consequences in our life. But I want to say very clearly in that sports aren't evil, of course. It doesn't mean we should stop playing sports. As a matter of fact, in local recreational sports, some of the greatest opportunities for ministry can be for moms and dads to coach these teams, to take ownership in these teams, coach them, take a mentoring responsibility with other kids and, and build relationships with other parents. So whether it's sports or whether it's a musical instrument, or a, a hobby, a hiking club, adventure club, these act extracurricular activities are great. Just as a uh, as a man or woman who might fish or hunt or or anything like that can be a can be a fun thing and a nurturing thing and a restful thing, but they must never take the place of the primary disciple-making components. Of course, we can do those other things with a with a goal of building relationships and and sharing the gospel with them, as we should be all of us in our own fears, spheres of life. But we want to keep in our lives the heart of building our affections for the Lord. Because the, the greater our affections for the Lord are growing, the less likely we are to be captivated by the lures of the evil one. Uh, and we've, as we've looked at the different baits and lures that come, this Sunday we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 13. I know what you're thinking, Brent. We're going through 2 Peter. Well, we are. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 through 22 as we continue our study. But we're also going to be adding to that Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 through 23 in the parable of the seeds or the soils, uh, as has been called. Uh, what we're going to see is with the false teachers, they actually mimic many of the characteristics of the false soils in Matthew 13. Uh, in their lives, there's a, there's, there's a total lack of the fear of God. They, they discredit and they discard the word of God. They don't long consider it. There's also a tendency to to let the worries of riches and the way of life and greed to choke out their love and affections for the Lord. And so this Sunday is going to be a a powerful, beautiful day. Uh, The text is so just incredibly encouraging. It really is not a discouraging text at all. It's incredibly encouraging because we see the faithfulness of our God to be and to make disciples and that he cultivates our life for fruitful living. Now today, we're going to be sitting down in just a moment as Stephen will help guide us through uh, a time in which we were able to sit down prior with Jeff and Janet Rabb. This couple has meant a lot to, to me, as you'll hear. They were one of the first couples that, uh, that joined the church after, after uh, Grace Bible called Stephen and, uh, and, and myself here. And so I hope that you'll be encouraged by their testimony as I know we were in sitting down with them. Looking forward to getting together this Sunday.
1: the blessing today of sitting down and talking with Jeff and Janet Rabb. Thanks for being here talking with us today.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> uh, we're, we're glad you're here. And uh, we're, we're blessed to be able to just take a moment to get to know you a little bit, to introduce you to the church and allow them to get to hear your story. And that's one of the blessings of, of this, you know, uh, we've gotten to know so many people. I've gotten to know, I mean, the blessing of me being able to be in this room and getting to hear story after story of the Lord's faithfulness. So we're just going to take a moment to brag on the Lord together. So uh, Jeff, I'd love to, to begin with you. If you would maybe just share a bit about how you came to Christ and a little bit about what the Lord's been doing in your life.
2: Okay. I grew up in, in churches, an independent Baptist church. And uh, First Baptist Church of Clute, Texas, grew up in church, had an uncle who was in the ministry, uh, had a major impact in my life. And so never knew what it was like not to be in church. And so, uh, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And so it was always there. And so when I grew up and came to know the Lord, it was I was 10 when I finally let go. And I had what what I would call a white knuckle Uh, salvation because for about a year every time the invitation then in the church Mm -hmm. we had was played I would hold on to the pew (laughs) because I knew what I needed to do and there used to be a saying you take the first step the second step will just follow it and then you just keep walking and make that commitment and so uh, I thought I was off the hook because the pastor preached on tithing one Sunday and so I mean (laughs) that's not a thing but that's when it was and uh Uh, About the 37th verse of Just As I Am playing, I finally uh, had walked down. It was on on the same uh, day as a sister and also as an aunt uh, made a decision. So it was kind of a significant thing. It was uh, Mm -hmm. October of 1973, and so that's when I actually came to know the Lord. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have two trips to the cross. Uh, That was when I was 10, and so I had— uh, salvation, no doubt in my mind on that. But then the second trip was after I got out of high school, became successful in one sport in and, and high school and uh, wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing, living the way I should have been. But then between that same uncle that was in the ministry said, hey, let's go for a week. Um, I'm doing a camp in Ohio, and uh, it's a it was a high school college camp, and uh, let's go to the Football Hall of Fame and stuff, tour mm-hmm. around. And uh, so... For a week, I was with him, and he preached the camp. And at that camp, I made the second trip to the cross. And that was really Jesus saying, come follow me. And that's where I really began to follow. Uh, so I, I guess one was fire insurance, one was follow. Uh, but it was the second trip where things were serious and uh, uh, and dedicated my life truly to the Lord.
0: Mm. And you were older then, so you had more you had a more clear reality of the dangers of sin and the, 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 the displeasure of sin and then the sweetness of Christ.
2: Absolutely. I, high school did, had some success in, in football particularly uh-huh. and um, had some popularity and some things and did not speak. If you heard me speak, you would be, my, my mother would have killed me. <laughs> you know, She'd heard <laughs> me speak back then. And um, the first thing that happened on that second trip was – exactly that. I knew what I was doing was wrong. Uh, and the first thing I had a conviction of was, was two things. One, um, don't talk like I've been talking. You know, Jesus, mm-hmm. when he was being crucified the night of his trial, uh, three times they went to Peter. And the third time, you were you're, you're with him. No, I wasn't. You were with him. No, I wasn't. You were with him. And the Bible says Peter cursed and swore mm. and they quit asking him. And that made a profound impact on me. So that changed. And um, also, uh, I came up with the thing of how much I owed God from back tithes from when I worked in high school. <laughs> 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 Which kind of made sense because I was saved on the, the Sunday that they preached on tithing. So
0: Very good. And so, so
2: uh, you grew up, where was that again, Jeff? I grew up in Angleton, Texas. Okay. It was First Baptist Church of Clute, down on the Gulf Coast, about okay. three hours from here. Gotcha, there.
0: very good. And so, Janet, where where did you grow up, and how did you come to know Christ?
3: I grew up in Mount Pleasant, Texas, which is about two hours, fifteen minutes away from here. And I grew up in the First Baptist Church there in Mount Pleasant. I was the baby of the family, with two older brothers and a mother that t- took us every Sunday to church. My My father had a bakery and so Sunday was his day to bake and he didn't get to go with us. But my mother made sure that we were all there each week. And so um, we'd have a revival in our church, the kind where it was every night for a whole week. And Sunday was the last day. And I knew that the Lord was speaking to my heart. I was just about eight years old, eight or nine. And I remember talking with my Sunday school teacher that morning. And that Sunday night after I spoke with my mother that afternoon, I walked down the aisle. It was a natural thing for me. Hmm. I uh, had a loving father. I understood I wanted Jesus to be my heavenly father. Hmm. So I was baptized there. And that's pretty much (laughs) as easy as it can be for me. Hmm. And I realized that that's such a blessing. Yeah the older I get, the more I appreciate it.
0: That's awesome. And to know God and Christ, the, how old were you, you said?
3: I think I was nine years
0: old. Very good. And so you all, uh, uh how did you end up getting involved with, uh, I guess, how did you get to Nacogdoches slash how did you get involved at Grace Bible Church?
2: Well, I had gone to Grace Bible Church, uh, starting in 2009. And, um, uh, had gone here pretty much the whole time. Never had joined, and Janet and I met in uh, 2015. And uh, Jane, in fact, has almost been right at six years that we met. And uh, um, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> uh, the First comment to me, to her on the, yeah, that's actually when we met. The first comment was actually a comment on a picture that I saw of her and said she was in Israel with. Uh, by the Sea of Galilee, and it says that's got to be the greatest place on earth. And
3: uh, now this was on match, yeah, it was on, <laughs> we met online,
2: and uh, and it was it was kind of a god thing because I just I'll never do that. And my daughters, um, I had all of my daughters living uh, with me, and they had kind of started an account, <laughs> they didn't activate it, but they said we're fixing to, You know, I would have kill them, you know, if they had done it, but then I kept thinking, and <laughs> And I got on one night when one of my oldest, uh, the next oldest daughter was going up the stairs at the end of the night, a commercial came on and said, you ought to do that, Danny. And, hmm. and uh, so I thought, well, and logged on. The first person I saw was Janet. And, uh, and so that's how we met.
3: Hmm. I'd been a widow for five years. Uh, my first husband died uh, in 2010. Hmm. And I was very lonely and all of my children encouraged me to get out there and me, try to meet someone. I was a school teacher, and my journey through the week was to go to work at school, come home, go to church on Wednesdays, Sundays, go back to school. I, I really didn't deviate from that, and I didn't have many um, opportunities to meet other people. And so they all thought um, that it would be the best thing for me to get on Match. And so I did, too. And it was I'd been on for two days, and the second day I met Jeff.
0: You met Jeff. And the rest I is history. Jeff,
3: so I moved from Henderson to Nacogdoches.
2: I thought when I told her so that Janet has three children, and I thought when I told her that I have eight, I uh, have four biological sons, and then the daughters were all adopted in one full suite, full sisters, I thought she was going to turn and run. If she has any sense, she would have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so between the two of us, though, and she is fantastic. She is the real deal, uh, and truly, and I don't say this lightly. Probably the, the most genuinely kind person I've ever known in my life uh, is Janet. And uh, uh, so, um, it's good because she makes me look good. All I have to do is just show mm-hmm. up and sit there, up <laughs> and I look good. And, uh, so the kids and we had two at, at home when we got married and, uh, and now it's just the two of us. So
3: that first Sunday that we met, it was a Sunday afternoon and Jeff had had Sunday lunch for all of his kids and he came to my house for coffee. And later he, he said, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have had a man in your house for coffee. <laughs> you didn't even, you didn't even know me. And I said, well, I figured a man that, had as big a heart as he did with eight children that, and to adopt four from CPS, he had to be a pretty safe <laughs> individual. <laughs> so I felt very comfortable. Yeah.
0: Well, that's tremendous. You know, I know uh, you all were the first, I believe the first family that joined Grace Bible was, uh, when, after I came here. Yeah. And that was an affirmation for me to know that uh, at least somebody's going to join. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, and so it, it was, I remember being out at your house and just enjoying a, a wonderful night together. I, I believe, um, yeah, I believe Sarah was pregnant at that time mm-hmm. right? with, yeah, with Matthias. And I remember just being out there enjoying, enjoying our time together so much. And I remember just kind of planting a seed about, you know, we think through Word Worship Service families, seeing if you all had experience with small groups. And you shared uh, that, your experience there and having some time teaching as well. Uh, and your uh, and so I just kind of floated, what, what do you think about? Would you be interested in this? Now we've been in the same small group for two and a half years uh, or mm-hmm. so. Tell us about what that's like. So I know, talk about the gift of hospitality, pouring your life out, you know, sharing your life with others. You have oftentimes, you have your kid's over for, uh, you know, so a lot of kids run around for lunch. And then you get things turned around in time to host a small group uh, that, that you all help to lead. Uh, you host and then the uh, Justin uh, Blunt and, and Adelaide Blunt there are involved in helping give leadership. Uh, and uh, and I'm just kind of the, uh, the three-headed monster there. That's just a part of what's going on. And it's a joy for us to be able to come and be a part of that on Sunday nights. But tell us how you kind of manage what is a very full Sunday uh, for you all.
2: It, Sundays usually are pretty busy for us. What we do is have the the kids. If you if you come into our wall, there's a there's a foyer and there is a uh, picture of every family member in a unit. So every child has their unit, whether they're single or whether they're married with children. And so there's 31 on the wall right now in our immediate family. <laughs> and so when you pull in, you know, it, it's not uncommon to have, you know, 20 people easy in the house on a Sunday at lunchtime, which, uh, which is kind of a normal thing. Uh, it's a good way to connect for family to do that. And so it's kind of like our own small group <laughs> and they're just, <laughs> in our, we're just all kind. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then Sunday nights are fun with our small group, uh, because we'll have about the same number of you know, a small group, uh, that night, but it is, it is a fun thing with a small group because it is a multi-generational and we have people different ages, some in college, some, Mm -hmm. uh, who are single married at different ages, some with children, some with no children, Mm -hmm. uh, some retired, some getting close, closer to retirement, which we were, we would be. Uh, it is a fun thing.
3: We, we love entertaining and having people in our home and it's just a joy uh, to be able to do that and to serve that way. What
0: would you say is is kind of the way that the Lord has most grown you all or stretched you all here in the last year? COVID obviously has been a thing. It's been a curveball for everybody. Uh, but being people that are so hospitable, how is that? And you all just trucked on from my perception, but how have you all been able to balance uh, kind of the adversity that this season has brought? I know health concerns Uh, have been a part there, but can you all just kind of speak to a a part of that? Not so much just what the small group has played into that, uh, but just in this season, how's the Lord been growing you all?
3: I'm guessing you were talking about me Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the health concerns. Uh, This summer, I had an ordinary um, test and um, showed that I had a tumor in my kidney. And at that time, it was very... Scary, especially to my children, because that's how my first husband passed away. Mm-hmm. He had kidney cancer. And so to think that their mom had a kidney tumor as well, they were just already asking me, where's the will? And <laughs> what do we do next? <laughs> and mm. what should we be doing? And what tests can we get to make sure that we don't mm. develop these same things? Mm. Um, it Just within a month's time, I was diagnosed. And from there, I had the partial nephrectomy And um, within a month, we found out that the tumor was benign. Mm. It was just something that mimics. It's called an onchocytoma. It mimics uh, a regular tumor. So it had to come out. Regardless, it would still grow and Mm. and, uh, interfere with the kidney's function. So God was just really... um, He really blessed us in a wonderful way that day in the hospital. It was my birthday... That day when we found out, and it was just such a gift, Uh, only 15% of people that have this type of tumor um, is it benign. Mm. And so we just felt extremely fortunate. So the Lord really, I guess you say, stretched us in that time,
1: Mm.
3: not knowing. And for me, having walked that road before with only um, the end in sight was death for my husband, Um, this was just wonderful to see life at the end of the road Mm. for me. And another chance so I'm very grateful for that Mm
2: -hmm. it's been a it's been a different year just like everybody else has had I mean that's certainly been huge uh, because whenever they got the the call um, they had a a cat scan and then they moved the appointment up a a day or two and Janet called and said it's bad it's bad I the appointments moved up that only happens Uh, with this I mean she had it already called based on hmm. previous experience so she already knew it wasn't Hmm. good and so, ultimately, when we went to Houston and had the surgery, it was as good as outcome as absolutely possible. So, it is truly a blessing. And mm. and as far as the whole year, this whole thing with COVID is just driving, you know, master just driving. I'm ready to go lick doorknobs to get COVID or get the shot or something. it's just kind Not of advised. Crazy. Yeah, we'll a shot I'm in probably, your tongue. How about that? I, yeah, I'm, I'm probably one of the ones that doesn't need to get it with past medical history, but... Um, it has been a crazy year. It's been a crazy year even for us, even with my work. COVID, we have not worked less. We have worked far more hours mm. than normal and more business because of this instead of less. Um, there's continued, we've had how many, let's say we've had, uh, a baby born, uh, another grandchild. We've had we've had lots, even since we've been married. We've, a
3: wedding, <laughs>
2: yeah, a wedding last weekend, and uh, <laughs> so there's there's always something going on. And when you have a large family, just like a small group, or especially in the body of Grace Bible Church, the good thing is there's always hello, there's always <laughs> someone. That is, that's probably one of the kids there. There's always someone in the church. There's always someone in the family. There's always someone in the small group that's doing really well. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side is mm-hmm. there's always somebody that has a need, somebody who's struggling, somebody who's down, somebody who doesn't know what they need to do. I just need to do something. And sometimes, you know, the tallest man in the world is the one on the knees, and that's where Janet mm-hmm. is so strong,
1: mm-hmm. a
2: true a true prayer warrior. And uh, so... It's been, it's been a great year, but a crazy year.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: That's a good quote. I know, Jeff. You're always dropping little nuggets in our small group. I know you do <laughs> a, a devotional uh, blog as well. That you uh, a blog is the right quote, right? That's blog, yes. Book. Probably
2: not a devotional. If is you read the, that, you go, "That's not a devotional." <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, 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 I mean, you share devotional
0: <laughs> thoughts in there, but usually I have an application that you're, you're driving in there as well. Uh, you know, what kind of advice would you give if we talk about a multi generational small group it has been a joy to have uh, in the context of our congregation? That's one thing we pray for is a, a multi generational body. Is what would you encourage? Maybe kind of what would you say? I don't want to put words in your mouth here. I guess I am. But what, what, <laughs> what are the things that you would say knowing that there's going to be younger people listen to this and knowing also that there's uh, probably some you know, season singles and service folks that'll, that may be listening to this, uh, uh, people that are in our congregation, people that are maybe listening from afar. What, what are, is there kind of just general pieces of wisdom and encouragement you give them in this season?
2: I, you know, every age has its struggles. And virtually every age, whoever's there, they look back and they go, well, I wish I was 20 again, or mm-hmm. if there's, you know— the longest year of my life was 15 because 16 i got a driver's license and you so <laughs> i don't know when i did 15 because i was looking forward to 16 and then 16 21 21 to getting married getting married to having kids getting having kids getting settled getting financially free getting financially free i'm i'm going to retire and then by the time you retire i'm going to travel but then the health goes in and mm-hmm. you die and you meet jesus yeah. <laughs> i mean so did you live in there and so it's it's if there's anything I would say for a multi-generational is enjoy the age that you're at. Every age has its positives. It has its good points. And every age has the stuff that, okay, that's the hard part of this phase of life. There is no perfect phase. There is mm. no terrible phase. It's a phase. And so uh, enjoy this because the Lord didn't make us to be a one-dimensional being. He mm. gave us, He gave us... We we all get lint in our belly button, is what I heard one time, just like <laughs> Jesus did. I mean, Jesus got lint in his belly button if you thought. i had never had that wow.
0: thought before. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He drops these nuggets all the time in the small group. I'm like, man, let me be writing these down. Belly button nuggets. Come on got
2: now. Yeah. Jesus got lint in his belly button, you know, the tunic will just get in there. And so you you have to you have to realize we all have those issues yeah. and enjoy what it is. uh tom- tomorrow we'll there's well Jesus at that. I mean, sufficient as the worries of today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Mm, He'll care yeah. care for the sparrows. That's good. And uh, so worry about today. Take care of today, and then come alongside of each other. Because yeah, uh, the mm. older ones, whenever you see somebody younger, been there and done that, but you can't hadn't been in their shoes. So it's mm. not necessarily the same. That's good. But there is some some strength there.
0: That's real good.
3: Mm. I, I've really enjoyed our small group, just seeing the different perspectives when the, we, we talk with one another and watching people grow mm. and just um, listening each week, whatever the questions are, how different people perceive it, and that's just what the Holy Spirit wants them to hear and mm. wants them to understand. So it's a real blessing for us to get to be a part. And mm. I would just encourage anyone who isn't a part of a small group to find one and um, be a part so that you can meet other people. It's mm-hmm. been a, a nice avenue for me being new to Nacogdoches to to be a part of a group.
0: Yeah, me too. So thank you all for letting me be in your small group. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: we well, all are uh, a true blessing uh, to our church and thank you so much for sharing with us and allowing us just to to hear about what the Lord's done in your life and um, for being just a, a great encouragement, great Hospitable uh, couple who is uh, inspiring others to do the same. So thank you for sharing and uh, letting us get to hear today. Our joy. Thank you.